0: What is up, everybody? Welcome to The Stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. 2020. (laughs) 2020. And this is a stack coming to you from the future, from the year 2020. Very exciting. We're going to be doing a lot of things differently now that we're in the future, I think. Right, Justin? It's time
1: to change it up. We've been living in the past for too long like cavemen, reviewing these paper books with crude metal staples (laughs) in them. Now we're only reviewing digital sci-fi
0: hologram comics. Oh, see, I misunderstood what we were doing. I've just been taking the staples out of the comic books. And they've been kind of okay. like flop it everywhere because I figured like that's a cool, cool future thing to do. No staples. Yeah, it's like minority report
1: where you just wave your hand and then you mm-hmm. move documents around, except it's papers and you're just making a big mess.
0: Yeah, I also have three people in a milk bath in my bathroom right now. So, you know, same yes. same the, basic idea. That's your wife and children.
1: They are <laughs> oh. gonna be so uh just moisturized when they get out of that.
0: I'll tell you what, that explains why they're not telling me any pre-crimes. I keep going in there and be like, pre-crimes, we've got to get some pre-crimes. And they're like, we are your wife and children.
1: They're like, relax, we're just trying to chill out after this stressful holiday season.
0: With a nice warm milk bath, as families mm-hmm. always do. Speaking of milk baths, or rather, blue milk, let's kick it off with our first title of 2020 <laughs> here oh, on the stack. Yeah. Star Wars number one! <laughs> ooh, ooh. This is now written by Charles Soule, and the art is by Jesus, Jesus, Saez, I don't know, Uh, one of the two. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, And this is the previous iteration of Marvel Star Wars comics have taken place between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. Like 2020 itself, we have moved forward to the future, and now the titles take place post Empire Strikes Back, the second movie. Uh, And this one, in fact, picks up right after the end of Empire Strikes Back, between scenes in a certain way. Yeah. uh, After Luke is rescued by the Millennium Falcon, uh, before he gets a new hand, some other stuff happened to them, and that's what this issue follows. I got to tell you, uh, I like a lot of the Star Wars stuff that's been putting out, but Mm -hmm. Charles Soule may be better than anybody finds new ways to recontextualize old scenes from the movies in such a smart and emotionally driven way. And that comes through yeah. in this comic book quite a bit.
1: Yeah, I think so much about his Darth Vader run, especially the last issue, especially in light of um are they're, they're doing the Star Wars movies that a lot of people have been talking oh, about Oh, are they doing and, movies um, now? Yes, feature films. Uh um, okay. long, like slightly longer.
0: Um, so, but you know what? That it, doesn't. I, so I feel like for if you want to be a real Star Wars fan, you read the comic books and that's it. You just yep, stop definitely. there. You get the sense of it. Well, uh, in the lead up to The Rise of Skywalker,
1: I was listening to um, the Ringers podcast uh, deep dive, uh, binge mm-hmm. mode recaps of the Star Wars movies. And they actually reference the comics so much. In, Mm. like, fleshing out the backstory and sort of the larger uh, Star Wars universe and canon. And it's just so – having seen Rise of Skywalker and been, um, I don't know, I guess disappointed, sort of Mm. like Mm -hmm. an emperor Mm -hmm. um, with a plan that you think is going to work and then it doesn't quite – this uh, it's so nice to read a book like this, which is so good and it feels so true to all the characters and smartly sort of dancing between the raindrops of the all the stories we already know.
0: Yeah, I think in particular, uh, Charles really nails. He plays a little around with Lando in this book and he nails the voice of Lando completely, which probably helps because Billy Dee Williams has such a iconic delivery. Um, but he does a good job with that. He, uh, there's also a little thing. I don't know if this has been introduced in another book because I will admit I haven't read all of the Star Wars comics that come out, but I believe they introduced Poe Dameron's parents in this, yeah. which yeah. is kind of a fun surprise.
1: Very um, subtle little thing. And I think those are the kind of things that I think Charles loves to put in is just like the little nods that. If you're really into it and know his last name, Dameron, you see it and are excited about it.
0: Yeah, I got to tell you, I was a little trepidatious to get into this because it felt like, why are we starting again with number one? The Star Wars comics have been very good so far. But this does really feel like a fresh start. And the place that it leaves Luke Skywalker in particular is so fascinating and so different from anything else that we've seen in any of the movies or the breakfast cereal, the action figures or anything like that, uh, yeah. I'm I'm excited to see where it goes. I'm
1: excited for breakfast because that bowl of cereal is in canon, and there's a lot of big reveals
0: uh, in it. Um, yeah. Every spoonful, I don't every want spoonful- to spoil too much, but that bowl of cereal is your grandfather. Wow!
1: Uh, I just uh, one last thing on the. Uh, on, I feel like Charles yeah, just captures the voice of the original trilogy so well. Uh, Mm -hmm. and it's just great to see.
0: All right. Uh, Let's move on to an IDW book. I Can Sell You a Body, number one. The concept of this book is what if a TV psychic was actually for real, was out of money, and figured out that he had the ability to take spirits and stick them in other people's bodies, although he has never really done it successfully. So that's kind of the setup for the book. The way that it plays out is a pseudo comedy noir uh, with the dead and ghosts and other things like this. I thought this was a fun setup. I, I didn't know what to expect from page to page, and I enjoyed that quite a bit.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good way to say it. Like reading through, I was like, what is, what actually is this? And you're like, you get a good sense of the character, Denny, but you never quite know what's up until it gets to sort of the big premise moves. And I thought it was fun as well.
0: Yeah, definitely. If you're looking for something different and supernatural, um, a fun supernatural noir is eventually what it settles on. I think Um, though, maybe it'll become something totally different in the second issue. uh, Definitely check this one out from IDW. Moving on to DC yeah. Comics, Lois Lane number seven. Lots of stuff going on in the world of Lois Lane. Now this picks up with her smooching Superman and a paparazzi mm. trying to take their picture. Maybe I missed an issue or so. Is this is this where this happened? Like this is something that they've talked about in Superman and Action Comics that people saw Lois Lane kissing Superman. And we're like, well, you're cheating on your husband, Clark Kent, because we're all dumb idiots in this DZ Comics world. Uh, yeah. And that ultimately has led to the reveal that uh, Superman has come in front of the world and revealed his secret identity. But so is this taking place back in time? Is that what's going on here?
1: I think so, because I was confused as well. Yeah, this makes this feels like it was meant to come out concurrently with uh, that issue or mm-hmm. that going that happening, because Reading this now, but it's not a flat it's not a purposeful flashback. It just feels like either maybe it was delayed because of the timing of the all the the Leviathan stuff or whatever mm-hmm. I don't think I don't know the actual backstory on it, but it definitely feels like this is meant to be a support issue for that reveal. Because in light of what's been happening in the other Superman book of uh, him revealing his secret identity to the world, this doesn't
0: make a lot of sense. No. Uh, And also that's an event that they referred to a couple of times. They're like, oh, everybody saw Superman kissing Lois Lane. That's pretty messed up what's going on there. But we never saw that happen. So... I, again, I assume that's what's happening. That all aside, all the business aside, Greg Grockett does a great job of writing Lois Lane. In particular, he's so good with Renee Montoya, The Question. There's yeah, a really fun sequence where Renee flirts with who she thinks is a housekeeper in here that is a lot yeah. of fun. Uh, and the eventual reveal at the end about who's currently attacking Lois Lane is a pretty messed up visual.
1: Yeah, no, it's, uh, I didn't expect to see that. Um, so I, I really like that. And, uh, yeah, to your point, d- despite the uh, continuity issues, I love this title. I love the writing. The art's great. Um, two of my favorite characters, the Renee Montoya Question and Lois Lane. And there's a reference to a TV show that I watched called Letter Kenny in here that I thought was yes. uh, was fun and very direct. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> Check they, it uh, they,
0: they say, hey, that's from a TV show I like called Letter Kenny. Yeah, and they say, Superman, you probably shouldn't watch it. Uh, there's also an animated series tied into Leonard Kenny called little Kenny. Weirdly, they don't reference yes. that or lay that out as well, but maybe next issue. We'll wait and see. Yeah, next Actually a this TV big, guide. Yes. This is another one from Marvel comics. Thor. Number one, this is Donny Cates taking over the title, making as usual, some huge moves with the character Thor mixing in things from his other runs and other comics. What did you think about this kickoff? Justin,
1: Really great. Uh, I feel like when we talked to Donnie about him taking over this over at New York Comic-Con, I feel like he was like very excited by what he was doing, because it's a lot of big moves. I think the biggest one is showing that Mjolnir um, can be written on
0: with Sharpie. Uh, sorry. Could you pronounce the name of his hammer just one more time? Mjolnir. Mm, okay. I think it's Mjolnir. Okay.
1: Well, that's pretty close to
0: what I'm saying. <laughs>
1: I'll I will use know. vowels how I want to use vowels.
0: Why don't you just call it Meow Meow, Darcy? <laughs>
1: okay. I don't know what you're talking about. It th- once you get past the J and you nail the J, you can say whatever you want.
0: <laughs> that's the really thing about words. N- there's no particular way they're pronounced. Exactly. <laughs> I've been spending too um, much time with my kids. I really need to stop with those jokes. Very no, excited good. to get back to work today, Justin. Uh, uh, talk like, to adults. Today? <laughs> today? I
1: can't wait to talk to adults. Ext- I mean... I am talking to an adult right now, you, eh, debatable, uh, and you're talking to me, who is also an adult. <laughs> okay. And I will say we sound like two children pretending they're adults, but we are not. <laughs> we are grown-up adults who happen to review comic books
0: and talk about comic books in a childish way. Yes. Uh, So third run, this is great. The art is absolutely fantastic. Uh, One thing that I really liked about the art in particular is it felt like visually it touched on a lot of previous runs of Thor while very much making its own. There was a little bit of Olivier Quipel in there. Uh, There felt like there was a little bit of Russell Dauterman particularly with the opening sequence where meow meow goes flying through the air, leaves a trail of rainbows (laughs) through all the realms. There's a little bit of shout out to Jonathan Hickman's run on Avengers where Thor is just throwing his hammer super far to bash through somebody's head. Um, great stuff there that pays tribute and sort of lays the groundwork for Thor who is now King of Asgard. He's got one arm. He's having trouble lifting Mjolnir. He, he's he got one eye. He's got a big old beard uh, and he doesn't like it. He feels very uncomfortable with it. That's not his comfort place. And by the midpoint of the issue, things have gotten really messed up uh, because none other than Galactus has fallen directly on Asgard, and once again, Dottie Cates is messing with the continuity of the Marvel Universe. Has come up with an explanation for the origin of Galactus and weaved it in yeah. here in a big way. And I love that. Like I, what I love about what he does is that it doesn't feel like retcons. It feels like ad cons or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, where he's getting thing- some
1: new ideas. It's exactly. Fun to- and I think uh, like Silver Surfer is uh is currently black from based on this series Silver Surfer black. Uh I think that's cool. I, I do think it's interesting how much Galactus is getting his ass kicked lately. Mhm. What's I up think, with that?
0: Well, that's like uh that's like uh them, you know, killing somebody in the opening scene, killing the hero in the opening scene or something like that mm-hmm. of a movie where or where it's just, like, you kick the biggest ass in the room to show how big the danger is and who's bigger than Galactus. It's the same thing as, like, coming in and chopping off Thanos' head to be like, oh, shit, now Gamora's a badass. Yeah. That's how, that's how you let everybody know. I just think it's funny
1: that Galactus specifically has been the target. Um, and I guess he is very tall, but it's all about mm. how you perceive him. Every, as we, li- we hear in this issue, like, everybody perceives Galactus differently. Um, and I see him as just uh, a little Pete.
0: Mm. I see him as a milky milk bath, which is weird. Mm, tasty. Uh, uh, so that, milk is your-
1: that, that milk bath milk will be good on your Star Wars cereal tomorrow morning. Ooh, Very excited. I'll just let it marinate in there for a while. That's what you do with you, milk. Nothing right? like a marinated cereal. Everyone's favorite thing to do is <laughs> marinate their cereal. Uh, I would want to say like, I really like how serious this book is taking Thor being king. It feels stressful and a pressure, and I think that is something uh, we haven't really seen for a while.
0: He also does a really great job of writing Loki in this issue who shows up and their new relationship, Thor being king of all the realms, Loki being king of his own realm, I think still, uh, but obviously Thor is the super king in this situation, changes their brother's dynamic quite a bit. Uh, There's a big thing that happens at the end that is going to lead on to even bigger things to come. This is great. Just a nice, big, huge Thor story exactly the way that it should be. Yes, agree. Moving on to an image comic book, Philadelphia number two. Now, we talked about the first issue of this, which was, if I remember correctly, kind of a wild ride. It was hard to hold on to exactly what it was, other than there's a cop in Philadelphia, and at the end, his dad turns out to be a vampire that that's kind of all I remember about the first issue. And I I remember having a little trouble following the plot, but really liking the art. This issue is a huge step up. I think in terms of revealing what's going on in the comic book, uh, following the plot, throwing in some crazy twists. And I enjoyed this quite a bit.
1: John Adams is a vampire. We've all known it. We all watched Mm -hmm. John Adams, Mm -hmm. the HBO limited series, right? and we all saw that that's the way that ended. I don't know if anybody watched it all the way through, but that is the way the actual series ended. So Mm -hmm. this makes total sense in this issue.
0: Now, real quick, you you said favorite president. Uh, Real quick, can you just rank all of the presidents? Yeah, no problem.
1: Um, Let's see. You got George. I think it's pretty much in the order they came in. I liked the first one. It's like a comic book series. You really like the first issue. And as it keeps going, it gets a little weirder. It gets a little like the, the latest arc of presidencies is like pretty weird.
0: Honestly, I think it's going to be retcon. Oh, you think so? I'm I'm hoping it gets canceled, but we'll see what happens.
1: But as far as Philadelphia goes, uh, I thought this was like I agree with you that this was fun, um, and the art is very good. And now that they've added all this like extra history to it, I'm very curious to see where it uh, goes.
0: Yeah, the cover of the third issue in particular is really nice and terrifying with a vampire John Adams on the front. The other thing yeah. that I wanted to mention about this issue that it made much clearer is. It's definitely dealing with the relationship between cops and people in under uh, impoverished neighborhoods in Philadelphia, uh, specifically African-Americans in Philadelphia. And I think it does a really good job of that. Uh, I'd be interested to go back and read the first issue now that I understand what they're going for and see if it connects a little better. But I'm definitely way on board after this issue.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I I like they it felt like they were doing sort of uh, so much at once for the first issue. And now it feels like it's all falling into place.
0: Yeah. Let's move on to a dark horse comic book. Crone number three. We've been really enjoying this one a lot on the show. This is what if red Sonia was old and then called back for one last fight in this issue. She finally comes face to face with her enemy. We get to see some big battles uh, and there's a little bit of a twist there. I continue to really like this series. Yeah, good premise, um, and you know it's the
1: tough as nails warrior back in the game one last time, like you said. And I like the way that they're sort of telling the story going forward, at the same time they're telling, giving us the backstory. Mm-hmm. It feels like they have a great sense of timing of like knowing when we need some more backstory information and then giving it to us while still driving the story forward. Great brutal uh, fights is what Pete would say right here too.
0: Yeah, or he'd be like, "Oh man, and the zombie could shot." Yeah! Oh, it's knocked it out of the park. I
1: had me nervous, but I love it.
0: <laughs> That's pretty good. Back to Marvel Comics. Hawkeye Freefall, number one. Uh, this is Hawkeye going toe-to-toe with the hood, Parker Robbins. It is by Matt Rosenberg, and it is, as most of his stuff is, pretty hilarious. He is a perfect fit, I think, to write Hawkeye. Again, there's some good twists throughout the book, but my absolute favorite scene is after, spoiler here, but after Hawkeye eventually catches the hood, he gets out scot-free, and then Hawkeye and the hood and the Kingpin just have a conversation in Kingpin's limo, and I thought this was perfect.
1: Yeah, yeah. Really, I agree. It reminds. I mean, everyone loved Matt Fraction's run on this from a few years ago. As like a, it's often referenced as like, oh, the best Hawkeye, and this feels like really on par with that. Like different take, um, different story stuff, um, but right in line with that. The, he really nails the character, and I, the Hood as a villain. I was always like, I feel like he's just mismanaged. He's like a, the a number one henchman that everyone sort of leans on. Um, But I think he's done really well here, and he's uh, sort of both stupid and then also later scary uh, right when you need him to be. Uh, So really like this.
0: Yeah, Uh, and the art is very good as well. They come up with a new twist on Ronin, one of the identities Hawkeye has taken on. And I'm very interested to see what's going to happen going forward with that. It feels like uh, Matt has a bunch of big plans for this title, and it's going to be really fun to see how they play out. Great use of uh, New York geography as well, and that that twenty
1: dollar omelet. I feel like I've I've fucking been there,
0: you know. Yeah, how is it, by the way?
1: Really, really normal, fine, normal omelet, it,
0: just normal. Oh, okay, I'll I'll stick with my Star Wars cereal then. Over to DC Comics, Justice League Dark number 18. The witchy witching war is picking up in this title as Cersei has taken over Wonder Woman's body. Wonder Woman is going toe to toe with the upside down man. And everybody else has basically been decimated as being attacked by this evil Justice League Dark who is trying to get the Eclipso Diamond So they essentially could destroy the world. So much stuff going on. But there's a big crucial twist that happens here in terms of Wonder Woman. Again, big spoiler. But Wonder Woman making a deal with the Upside Down Man that I think really clarifies how they're going to get out of this. Yeah. Which I liked a lot. It felt like a very smart, interesting way. Of redefining magic as James Tynan has been doing throughout with this book, uh, while still amping up the danger to insane proportions. Yeah, th- this book is so wild because it
1: always feels like holy shit. How are they going to get out of this? And then in each issue, things get worse for them. Uh, like individually and as a team. Like they're barely a team. And you can see the characters making mistakes all the time. Like they're constantly blowing it. Uh, swamp Thing's like just a bunch of goo. Uh, everybody, like Dr. Fate's all messed up. Constantine. Do- Detective like,
0: Chimp got turned back into an actual chimp.
1: Regular chimp. He's just a regular chimp. Yeah. Uh, so it's, I mean, it's a, like, to your point about the deal with the Upside Down Man, to finally see a ladder out is exciting, but it's such a bad idea <laughs> also. So they're yeah. both playing, moving the story forward, but also playing the game in such a good way. One of my favorite books that DC's doing right now
0: it's so so good every issue it's one of I think my favorite takes on magic that I've ever read in comics, just because it doesn't it doesn't let anything happen it sets up rules it follows those rules, but it focuses on the action and the characters first more than anything else um, over in Marvel, uh, what Mark Wade is doing with Doctor. Strange right now kind of feels like that where He's he's set up boundaries for himself, and that's the same thing that James Tynan is doing. Just the dark, and it's such a smart thing to do.
1: Yeah, in, it feels like with D, in in DC right now, magic is like all it's like shattered, and people are bad at it. It's much more of like everyone sort of forgot to how to ride a bike, and then mm-hmm. over in uh, in Marvel, to your point, like it's much more magic is just a lesser less has much less power to it. And it's just. Doctor Strange being like, I actually want to be a doctor because magic is just fine.
0: Yeah. There you go. Uh, just like a regular doctor. Moving on back yeah. to Image Comics. Olympia number 2. This is by Kurt Pyers and I believe Todd Pyers uh, are writing it. Um, I love the first issue of this. I think when we were talking about it, I said it was my absolute favorite issue of the week. Um, I love this issue as well. I th- wow. This series is so charming, so well-drawn, so well-written. The idea is, what if a comic book character fell to Earth and a young boy discovered him? In this issue, they explore the concept a little bit more, what it means to be a Kirby-esque hero in one world. And a comic book character in our world, it ends in a big cliffhanger. I just think it wears its influences on its sleeve from uh, Amblin Entertainment, Steven Spielberg movies. They, I think, even quote that on the back cover. Uh, Stranger Things type things. Uh, And, of course, the Kirby books. But it's so smartly done. I I love it.
1: Yeah, uh, it reminds me, it takes me back to when I was first reading comics and we did – my brother and I, we uh, worked hard painting – this is not a joke. This is very Tom sawyer ass. but we painted a fence uh, mm-hmm. and to, to buy – to get a, like, big shipment of Image Comics when Image first started. And uh, so we, like, all summer were waiting, waiting for them at the mailbox for these comics to be delivered to us because we lived way in the country. So, like, that's what it felt like in this issue when um, the kid is like, oh – the co- this issue was is canceled i have to find out what happens next it just had that same tone i think that's what this book is so good at is capturing the tone of being a comic fan and a superhero fan
0: yeah uh it's great
1: definitely check
0: it out move still back up to for Mark. painting
1: fences for comics as well totally gone let you me you gotta know.
0: trick people into doing it for you that's how you do it nah i was the one who was tricked i got tom uh, sawyer oh man classic classic kid justin behavior you start out getting Tom Sawyer, now you're the Tom Sawyer. I'm the Tom Sawyer now. Yes. Marvel Comics X-Men number four. Uh, this is... <laughs> Why you seem so hesitant? I don't know. For some reason, I was like, there's got to be at least 30 issues that have <laughs> happened so far. Yes. It just feels
1: that way because there's so much. It feels like we've been living in the Krakowan world for years.
0: Yeah. So in this issue, Professor X and Magneto and Apocalypse, of all people, head mm. to have an international summit with a bunch of world leaders. Things kind of go wrong, but most of the issue is taken up with Magneto, Xavier, and Apocalypse very thinly veiled, threatening everybody into following along with their new world order. Uh, it's too bad Pete well, it's probably actually for the best that Pete isn't here because I know exactly what he'd think about this book. Yeah, uh, he does not like this book, I bet. He does not like this book at all. It's so well-drawn, it's so well-written, but I it's hard to read this and not identify with the human perspective here. Of yeah, like, I think
1: that's good. That's like yeah, isn't that
0: crazy? That's
1: one of the yes. most interesting things.
0: Yeah, well, you read it and my, my first reaction, and I, again, it's uh, Jonathan Eckman, I think, clearly structuring it this way. But to think of, like, Apocalypse walking into an international summit and be like, what should we call you? Should we call you En Sabner? And he's like, no, call me Apocalypse, is fucked up. Like, just to think of that happening is terrifying. Like, how do you react to that?
1: Well, but also, I mean... Yes, I think that's one way to take it. But the other way to take it is he, he's like, My name's Dave. And they're like, Oh, but should I call you by this name I Googled about you? And he's like, No,
0: my name is Dave. Yeah, but if Dave's name was Murder Knife or something like that, you know? Don't you're getting hung up on words again,
1: Alex. It's just yeah. Apocalypse. It's just a fun name. And you can name any kid anything now.
0: Hmm. Is it actually pronounced? I'm pretty sure it's actually pronounced Apocalypse. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Apoco-loops. Apoco-loops. My my second favorite serial after Star Wars serial.
1: (laughs) Follow your nose. (laughs) uh, uh, I agree with you about uh, sort of sympathizing with the human side. And also from a storytelling perspective, the X-Men have just been dunking on everybody. Except for Xavier being killed uh, in the first issue of X-Force, which they reference here and are still cocky about. Like, yeah, I died. Didn't work, bitch. Come come at me like they're so aggressive, so confident. I'm very curious to see how uh, Hickman's going to turn that or like what how long that is what
0: the story is for these characters. Two two things that I wanted to point out that I thought were kind of interesting about this issue. One, I've been sort of speculating for a while that it feels inevitable that this is heading storyline wise to some sort of World War X type crossover event where everybody Mm -hmm. takes on the X-Men. And whether this actually pans out this way or not, this issue felt like it was addressing that because they specifically say, oh, we're going to head to war at some point. You have to see that's happening. And Magneto very carefully lays out for them, no, that's not going to happen. And here's why that's not going to happen this time. So, I'm, I'm very interested to see where that goes. The other thing that I thought was such a smartly done, beautiful scene, and I, I'm actually really glad that they waited until now, is Xavier finally takes off his helmet. And yeah. when he takes off his helmet, it's to talk as the old Xavier in a very yeah. specific way, where he takes off his helmet and he talks about, you know. I've been shown very recently that things are different, that things have to be different for mutants, but I still hold that this hope that we can coexist. That's still in my head. I don't know if it's true, but I still want to believe that's true. And when he's talking about that, when he's talking about his hope for his old dream for mutants and humans working together, he has his helmet off. But as soon as he starts talking about Krakoa and their agenda and how things have moved forward, he puts the helmet back on. There's such a great little bit of acting.
1: Yeah, I agree. It's so good. But it's like when you want to be taken seriously, you have to wear a cool hat.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that's, and when I he wants to be on... nice,
1: yeah, yeah, like a bowler hat, the coolest uh, hat. I was going to say like a top hat. Yeah, that's very formal, see. I'm more of a man on the street, just a guy out there from the 1920s laying bricks.
0: Mm. Oh, I thought you were like a Scotland Yard detective, being like "Wassallish Yeah, yeah, I
1: would do that. I'm a detective undercover as a 1920s bricklayer.
0: In the 1920s, or just at undercover as a 1920s bricklayer.
1: Yeah, I'm going to, I, I'm undercover as speaking into the 1920s. So I go into like modern criminals uh, headquarters and I'm like, oh, you, you just need a little knuckle, Dustin.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you what, now that we're in 2020, that's going to work a lot better because you could just say the 20s and they'll be like, got it.
1: Exactly. Exactly. I think they get it now.
0: Yes. And that's our review of X-Men number four. Moving on to Dark Horse Comics, everything number five. Oh, my God. This book is like reading a nightmare. (laughs) I
1: love this book. This book is great. Uh, It's it is like it's so uh, there's so much dream logic. It's so like uh, unsettling. There's still the story is starting to come together uh, in a big way. So I'm, I'm very excited for that. Um, but it 's like a it 's like Twin Peaks meets mm-hmm. uh, Walmart I love it
0: yeah I think that 's the best way to describe it. I know you like Twin Peaks a lot, so it definitely reminds me of that. Basically, it takes place at this mall called Everything, where you can buy everything. Uh, meanwhile, a lot of weird stuff is going on in the town around it. The mall seems to be consuming people in a certain way. There's maybe aliens. There's a talking bear. There's ants all over everybody. Um, I'll tell you what, I have not slept well the past couple of nights, and I keep having these very feverish nightmares that wake me up. Did not help reading this book.
1: Yes. Wow. Uh, You just said a lot. It sounds like you're uh, having a psychotic break. Good luck
0: with that. See you at the next podcast. (laughs) All right. Well, I'll check with the precogs in the other room, see what's going on with him. We do have one last title to talk about from DC Comics, Harley Quinn, number 69, which is a pretty nice issue.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Clearly a fan. Um, So this is written by uh, Mark Russell, someone we cover a lot on this uh, podcast um who did the flintstones book mm-hmm. that we uh that was sort of that was his big first splash um the premise here is that uh, basically the mcdonalds uh crew
0: cartoon gang? crew do the they have the a, gang? do they have a name i don't know mcdonalds like the happy meal crew or something I guess they 're just i don 't know there were
1: someone came up in the marketing uh, department of mcdonald 's like thirty <laughs> years ago, and this is just a fun take where um, a character named the Ham Bezzler um, gets out of jail and we find out uh, how all this like fucked up stuff that the the, the d c versions of the um, mcdonald 's crew uh, were up to, and uh, corporate interest is behind it in the end, as with a lot of mark russell 's books. Mm-hmm. And this is fun. My, one of my favorite things about the book was just seeing how uh, the writing was going to avoid copyright infringement uh, as the
0: story went on. <laughs> uh, I really like this as well, because as ridiculous as it is to have somebody with a hamburger head, the one place it actually makes sense is a place like the DC Universe. Where, sure, there could be a guy with a hamburger head who's a mayor or a council member and uh, works there That's fine, there's a guy uh, with a skeleton for a head who ran a spy agency for a really long time So it's yeah. all good uh, As you pointed out though, Mark Russell is probably the best working right now in mainstream comics In terms of actual, precise, cultural commentary Yeah, uh, satire and and satire like actual satire. Uh, and he does such a good job with it. I wasn't expecting that at all coming to this issue of Harley Quinn. I love how he works in Harley Quinn out here as a driving force to get this moving rather than just relying on her to be the source of all the jokes Uh, It's really fun. It's really fun. It's really pointed. Um, It gets very dark in a couple of places, but it's so well structured as an issue as well. Even if you haven't been reading Harley Quinn, you can still have a very nice time with issue number 69. It made me feel wow. It
1: made me feel um, like it was also aiming at Joker with the um, mm-hmm. the Ronald McDonald character felt very much on uh, Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. I thought that was a subtle, uh, I want to say dig or at least use of what's happening in the in the culture right now.
0: Yeah, it's great. Definitely pick that up. And that is it for the stack. If you'd like to support us, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. at the People's Improv Theater Loft in New York. Come on by. It's totally free. Uh, Where should people check us out, Justin? Uh, you can follow
1: us on Twitter at Comic Book Live. Uh, we also have a Facebook page. Uh, we're out there. Come find us.
0: Yeah, check us out on the socials, yo. You can also subscribe and p- comment. Please do comment on iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice. And we'll see you at the comic book shop. You up for some embezzlement, mates?